The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 16, New International Version. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Retzin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Retzin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabael king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen, for the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only Retzin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate that. And appreciate you getting all those hard names correct as well. <laughs> How many people here have ever been ziplining? Anybody been ziplining? You know what ziplining is? We went uh, this past summer, I got to go ziplining and uh, zip lining is where they take you up a mountain and they put you in a harness and they strap you to a cable and they send you from tree to tree to tree all the way down the mountain. And it's a lot of fun if you like heights, but not everybody likes heights. In fact, one of the biggest fears that people have is a fear of heights, right? Being up high. So anyway, if you haven't, if you haven't been zip lining, I brought a little video clip of what it looks like, just a 20 second clip.
<laughs> I was too relaxed. Anyways. I don't know if you heard that. I said I was too relaxed to grab the thing. I was too, and I was enjoying the zip lining, and I don't have a fear of heights, but I was with uh, the, one of the, another pastor took this uh, shot of me ziplining, and I was with a group of pastors, and uh, some pastors that if you're in free Methodist circles, you would know some of these folks, uh, Scotty, Mike, Wilson, Scotty Priest, uh, and you may not know them, it doesn't really matter, Rusty, Kyle, uh, Jonathan, Zach, and Morgan, we were all doing the ziplining thing together last summer, and um, we were, I, I had the chance of the, the chance to go one of the last ones, I was second to last, so I got to look at the other platform and as I would look down the zip line, I would look over at the other platform and I could see all these really big guys, like big leaders in churches. They do, some of these guys are doing CrossFit every morning. You know, they got muscles twice the size of mine. They're pretty solid guys. And I look down to the platform, to the tree, and they're all become tree huggers all of a sudden. Have you ever seen, you know, they're all hugging the tree. And I'm like, what is going on? These are big, tough guys, and they're all huddled around the center of the tree, holding onto it for dear life, and the tree is actually moving, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, is that the wind, or are they really shaking, shaking, right? Are they, is, who's, who's moving the tree, the wind, or the guys huddled around the center of the tree that are trying to hold on for dear life? It was actually a probably, I'll say it's a combination of both. But that's exactly how we, where we find Ahaz this morning. Did you hear the description? It said, so, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Have you ever been to that place before? Where you're just shaken to the core? Fear has kind of taken over. And that's exactly what's going on in the hearts and minds of the people uh, that Ahaz is, is leading, and Ahaz is shaken to his core. And the reason is, is because these three other leaders have now aligned themselves to come and attack Jerusalem and also take it. So the political situation here, to kind of give you a description, is Assyria is a foreign power, and Assyria is actually in con kind of in control of the city of Jerusalem in southern Israel. And Assyria basically is like the mafia. That's the best way to describe them. So as long as Jerusalem and Ahaz pays off Assyria, gives them tribute, gives them money, then Assyria won't attack, won't come in and attack them, won't take them over, won't, you know, as long as you're paying a little bit of money to Assyria, we will make sure you're protected and we'll also make sure we don't attack you. So a little bit of extortion going on here. That was just phase one of a, the Assyrian campaign. And so that's where Israel is right now. Now, these other three leaders are actually others who are aligned against Assyria, and they want Ahaz to join them and go against Assyria. And Ahaz is saying, look, guys, I want to keep the peace with Assyria. You guys do what you want to do. Basically, I'm, I'm basically uh, paraphrasing this, by the way, and, because it'll take too long to go into all the politics. So Ahaz is not lining up with these three other leaders. So they want to come and remove Ahaz from being the king and put in another guy, Tabeel, into power that they'll, because Tabeel will go along with their plan to go against Assyria. So you got the politics, you got the politics down. It's kind of messy, isn't it? But Ahaz, hearing that these three other leaders who he thought were on his side at some point, right, is now aligned against him. Kind of his allies are now against him, and they want to remove him, and they want to take over the throne. And Ahaz is actually a young leader. He's just become king. 
And I don't know if you can, I know when I became a, when I was first a leader and I was a young leader, I, get, I was a lot, I was very anxious about a lot of different things because I had never experienced them before. And so where do we find Ahaz in this passage today when Isaiah goes to meet him? Ahaz is out checking out the waterworks of the city, the, the aqueduct. He's checking, he's out there because he's getting in ready for a siege. He's checking things. He's inspecting things. He's, he's doing everything he can to prepare for this impending doom that he senses and feels, right? So he's in this kind of mode of, of trying to get everything ready for the attack. And that's when Isaiah goes to him. He doesn't go to him in the public court. He goes to them out in the field, outside of the city, and he's actually talking to him outside of public view. And Isaiah goes to him and says to Ahaz, Ahaz this one simple thing. Keep calm. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. You remember that campaign that came out a few years ago, uh, actually came out of Britain, where the, the poster, the poster said, keep calm and carry on. Do you remember that? Remember that poster? That is actually from 1939. And the British government put together a marketing campaign. They made 2,500,000 of these posters, along with some other phrases, that they were going to post all around Britain because what was happening in 1939? What was about to happen in 1939? A war, World War II. They were concerned that Hitler's air force was going to come and bomb the city's especially London. And so they had this campaign to put all these posters up all over the place before they were even bombed to basically say, keep calm, right? Carry on, right? That's the same message that Isaiah brings to Ahaz. Just, just keep calm. It's going to be all right. God's got this, right? So that's the message. Now, it's interesting because these posters never made it really, most of them never made it into the public view because they, they deemed the marketing campaign a failure and they also had a paper shortage, so they took all the posters that they had made and repurposed the paper for them, and very few of these ever got out into public view. Until the year 2000, one was found hanging in a shop, and that's where, they can't, that's where it got revived. And there were a few around that got out, but uh, I think it was an antique, might have been an antique dealer or some other store that actually had one of these in 2000, which created the resurgence in our day of this camp marketing campaign to try and encourage people to stay calm in a very, very fearful situation. And that's what's going on here with Ahaz. It's, but I came across a couple, oh, I got to share these with, sorry, almost skipped these. They came up with some more of these, you know, and then people started trivializing it, like this one, keep calm and fake a British accent. I don't, can't even do a British accent, sorry. <laughs> I had it the other day when I was practicing. Um, there's one, I don't have an image for it, but there's one that's probably very relevant for us. Keep spending and carry on shopping. That was another one that's very relevant for us today. But here's the other one. My favorite one is this. Now panic and freak out, right? <laughs> so that's it, right? Like, where is Ahaz, right? Ahaz is panic and freaking out, right? And Isaiah the prophet comes to him and says, keep calm. Don't we vacillate so much between those two? 
right? We, we, we go back and forth between these two, fear and then calmness. And what do we want? We want the calmness. We don't want the fear, but yet the fear keeps creeping in on us, and we wonder what we're going to do about it. I would suggest to you, and I think what Isaiah is suggesting Ahaz, and I think it's true for us today, is that God is saying to Ahaz, is trying to give Ahaz an unshakable spirit. Wouldn't it be great to have an unshakable spirit? A spirit within you that no matter what is going on in your life, that you stand firm, the tree is not swaying, you're not shaking, you're relaxed, you're calm, even in the midst of fear and chaos. Wouldn't that be a great place to be? And yet that's where we always find Jesus. In the midst of the chaos, he's always standing there, this kind of non-anxious presence. Have you ever noticed as you read the Gospels, they're in a storm. What's the big deal, guys? Why didn't you have a little faith, right? He's always in this non-anxious sense of presence. That's the unshakable spirit that God wants for you and for me and for Ahaz. That's what God is talking about. So he goes on. Isaiah says, guess what, Ahaz? You're going to get a sign. Even though you don't want a sign, you're still going to get one. And he says to him, this is going to be your sign. This virgin will give birth to a child, right? And a sign is a tangible reminder that God keeps promises. So it's one thing to know it, right? It's one thing to be told, keep calm, right? Don't be afraid. It's another thing to be reminded, to have a tangible reminder that that is true, that God is with us, Emmanuel. And it's in that vein, in that sign vein, that Matthew, the gospel writer, Matthew actually picks up on this and he applies it in his gospel. As, he, as Matthew's writing, he's looking back on the life of Jesus and he's looking back to the birth of Jesus and he goes, Isaiah. And this is what Matthew says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So Matthew, the gospel writer, again, picks up on this idea of a sign that this birth is going to be a tangible reminder of God's presence with human beings, not somewhere off in the corner of the universe, not somewhere cosmically remote from us, but with us. Luke picks it up. When the angels go to the shepherds and he announces the birth, he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. A sign. A tangible reminder that God is with us. Something we need, don't we? We need something to hold on to, grab on to. And so I love that God sent to us a human being to be with us not just a poster, not just some marketing campaign that says, keep calm, carry on, we're being bombed. Because the bombs and the, the fears and the worries don't go away, but what a difference it makes when somebody is with you in the midst of that, right? What is it like when someone is with you in the midst of those fears? It helps bring calm. So we needed God's presence more than we needed a poster. I looked up, what are the top stressors today? What are you, what are you worried about today? What are you anxious about today? What, is, what has got you stressed out, as we say? Well, I looked up what the top five stressors in America are today. Number one, future of our nation. Number one today. Interesting. That's not always there, but it is today. Future of our nation, number two, is money. Number three is work. Those are always in our top five. 
by the way, as Americans. uh, Political climate is number four. That comes up again. And then five is violence and crime. Those are our top five worries as Americans. It's much different than Ahaz's worries, right? But yet they still stress us out. We, We tend to find things to stress us out regardless, don't we? Have you noticed that? We find a way to worry about something, to be anxious about something. No matter what it is, we always have these stressors. And maybe we need a poster that says this, God is with us and keeps promises, right? Maybe that's what the heart of Christians in this season are, that Emmanuel, God with us, that God is with us, and Emmanuel is a reminder that God's going to keep this promise, right? That we have a tangible sign, not just a poster. We need that today, right? We need that in the midst of our stress, stressed out lives, that God is with us and will not abandon us. You know, my dad used to take me fishing, uh, and we would go fishing in the Potomac River, also known as the Potomac, which is the Indian tribe it was named after. And we went fishing near a town called Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. It's where the Potomac and the Shenandoah Rivers converge together. And my dad would go fishing, we'd go bass fishing there in the river. And my dad, uh, this was, we didn't, you know, we didn't have hip waders and everything like that, but we would actually just wade into the river and fish through the river. And we'd walk around, there were rocks, and there were currents going around the rocks. And because two rivers were kind of converging there, the current picked up there where we like, where my dad liked to go fishing. Let me put it that way. My dad was six foot tall, and I was probably nine or ten, and you can imagine being a little uh, guy half his size. And so I would follow dad through the river, and he would wade through the currents, and he would wade through, and for him, it's only up to his knees. But when you're 10, it's up to your waist, right? I quickly learned as a, as a little guy that, you know, if I got the water, the deeper the water got, the more the currents could take me, right? When I was standing in knee-deep water, no problem. When dad was standing in knee-deep water, it was waist-deep water for me. And so trying to keep up with dad... <laughs> through the currents, right, became challenging. And I learned how to grab onto rocks and roots and trees that had fallen in the river. And I began to learn how to navigate with dad going through the river. But one thing I learned very quickly, as you learn, is that once you get above your waist, you actually lose control, right? When the water starts to get up, the current starts to take over. And you actually are not in control anymore. And if you don't have a hold of something in that river, or if you don't have a hold of your dad's hand in that river, you get swept away. I would never go into that river without my dad. I wonder when people go through life without God. Because stress is going to come. The river is going to rise at some point. And if you go into that without God, as they say, God help you. And you wonder, see, I always see people who are like, you know, I run into people who say, I don't need God, you know, what? I don't even believe in God, or I'm not even sure there is a God, I don't need God in my life. Those people who are saying that are usually in knee-deep current. They're not in chest-deep current. It's easy to say that when you're standing on the bank of the river, or you're just standing in shallow water, because you can stand on your own without any help in those moments. But there are times and moments where we get overwhelmed, This is also something we learn about stress, right? Stress level is similar to that rising current. There's three types of stress, right? There's calm. That's where we all, how many people would like to be calm today? Want that calm, right? 
We all want to be there. There's actually something called eustress, which is good stress. This is the stress that actually gets us motivated, gets us moving, gets us doing things, gets us active, right? And so there's that, that moment of eustress. And in a sense, King Ahaz is experiencing some eustress that he's going out, he's inspecting the waterway, he's getting ready, he's doing some things to prepare, right? So that's kind of a part of that good stress that gets us moving and gets us active. But then we get overwhelmed by stress. And that's when we get into distress. That's when the water is up to here or up to here, right? And we're being taken away. That's where the stress takes over and we're no longer in control of what's happening. And we feel out of control and we feel overwhelmed. And we, like Ahaz, are like the trees shaken by the wind because now it's taken us over. And God is coming to us and saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Emmanuel. I think about this and how important it is to know that God is with us in times of struggle, in times of adversity, in times where the currents take over our lives. Do you know that God is with you? Do you know that God keeps promises? Do you know that Jesus, that Christmas, the birth of this son is a sign to you and me that God has not abandoned us, that God is with us today? Keep calm. <laughs> Keep calm. Don't be afraid, the prophet says. When I first started ministry, uh, I got to visit a young woman who every she was in the hospital. She had health uh, problems. She had multiple health problems. She had a disease and an illness that was taking over her body, literally taking over her body, and her body was deteriorating. It wasn't Lou Gehrig's disease, but it was something similar to that, if you're familiar with that. And so she often, when I saw her, when she came to church or when I would talk to her, she was often carrying an oxygen tank on her, in a backpack with her, or some kind of medication that was pumping medication into her body in her backpack. That's how she functioned. That's how she went through life. And I particularly remember her because every Christmas, she would come to give me a gift for, for, for Christmas. And the, it wasn't that, and what the gift was every Christmas was an ornament and that ornament was always a nativity scene. Some nativity scene that she had found, some nativity scene that she had found an ornament for. And she always said, and she often said, not always, but often said, I always get nativity ornaments because it's a reminder that God is with us. I think about her often at Christmas because I think about how she was overwhelmed with health problems. She was overwhelmed with health issues. And yet, she was able to say, God is with me. God is with me in the midst of this. I also got to meet some of her family members. And her family members, who I often didn't see because they were mad at God. I think about that too, because as she's going through this, and she has this deep faith in God, and she has this deep sense that God is with her, even though her life is literally going, being, being taken away from her, her family members are watching this, right? And her family members are angry at God, and so they don't want to have anything to do with God. And I go back to that river analogy, right? She's overwhelmed by stress, and yet she knows that God is with her. 
they're not overwhelmed by stress. They're standing on the banks of the river watching her life being taken away by the current, and they are cursing God. And I think about that idea that the people who are in safety are cursing God, but nobody's jumping in to help. And that's exactly what God did in sending Jesus. While the rest of the world around us was watching us be taken away, God jumped in the river. God came to us and threw us a lifeline in Jesus. God was going to be with us in the river, in the current, not standing on the banks like other people. God with us. Think about that. Think about this. I think about this young woman who had every reason to curse God, but always thanked God for being with her. Because even though the current was taking her away, I don't know if you've ever been whitewater rafting. Anybody been whitewater rafting, right? What do they make you put on when you get in the boat? A life, ja- a life jacket, right? Because if you fall out of that boat and you get stuck in the current, what are you supposed to do? Trust the life jacket. Don't try and stand up, but just lean back, grab the jacket, and go with the flow, right? Make it to the bank if you can, by the way. But allow, trust that jacket, right? You have to trust that it's going to keep you above the water. You're going to have to trust to get it. It's going to help you get to that safe place, right? Exactly what God was doing. God said, put this on if you're going to get in the river of life. Don't go through life without this. Because at some point, the stress is going to overwhelm you. And you're going to be swept away. You need to know that God is with you in the midst of it. You know, I think about the story of Mary and Joseph. Did, when Jesus was born, like, they literally had Emmanuel in their arms. Like, God with them, right? Did their lives get less stressful? No, they just had a baby, right? If you ever have a baby, you know what it's like to be stressed out, right? No, their lives did not get less stressful at that moment that God was with them, literally. Then they had to flee to Egypt, right? They had to run to Egypt because the life of their son was threatened. They had to change. They had to move. They had to do all these things to, because, and imagine the stress that Mary and Joseph were under, the risks that they had to take to even bring Emmanuel into the world. If anybody had a lot of stress, it was Mary and Joseph. And yet, I see in them this unshakable spirit. Do you notice it? This spirit that says, we'll do anything, God, as long as we know that you're with us. Right? That's what gives us that unshakable spirit. It's the faith. It's the knowledge that God is with us. And if if you've heard nothing up to this point today, Please hear this. God is with you. And God is with me. And God is with us. Amen? Let's pray together.